Welcome to r slash, a podcast where I read the best posts from across Reddit. Today's subreddit is r slash pro revenge. And next, a word from our sponsors. So my friend over in Korea studies fashion design. She sometimes sends me over the sketches of the designs and they all look amazing. Then again, I'm not into fashion. She's particularly interested in designing handbags and purses. She told me a story about how she shut down one of the most entitled, self-centered, lazy students on campus. So in this story, Grace is OP's friend and Jane is the entitled one. At first, Grace and Jane got along just fine. They were both interested in similar stuff but quickly became BFFs. Grace decided to show Jane her sketches and designs for handbags and purses, and Jane was so impressed by it. Because the sketches were in incredible detail, including all the patterns and sew lines coupled with figurative measurements. Even the professor was impressed by it, and it was no surprise that Grace got a high mark on their first major exam. Jane didn't do so well, and practically followed Grace everywhere to get pointers on how to do better. So Grace decided to help her out. Unfortunately, Jane turned out to be one of the most entitled, lazy, and selfish people that Grace has ever met. Things that Jane did to piss Grace off included, but not limited to, not paying attention, being late in their study session, never showed appreciation, didn't pay for coffee or snacks, and complaining annoyingly about how hard it was to draw something. Grace pretty much gave up on her after a week, refusing to meet Jane outside of her class. Time went by, and for their midterm, everyone in the class had to do a presentation on the stuff they designed. When it was Jane's turn, Grace was shocked to see that Jane had stolen one of her designs. Thankfully, Grace had multiple designs going on, so there were no conflicts when it was her turn to present, but she was seething with rage. Grace had a meeting with the professor afterwards, and the professor knew what was going on, but couldn't really do anything with Jane because it turns out she was the daughter of the chairman, or one of their major investors, Grace said she didn't recall. The chairman apparently blackmailed the professor into giving Jane the best grades. The revenge. The professor did, however, help Grace devise a plan to humiliate and expose Jane. For the finals, the professor announced to the class they would do another presentation, but it would be three designs and advised they had to bring their A-games because professionals from the industry would be grading their work, and the head of the department and the chairman would be there as well. So, you know how Grace had a bunch of sketches for the class? Well, Grace also had a separate sketchbook that had designs for major brands. MK, Coach, you name it. She never used these directly for class assignments, but rather as inspirations for her designs. Grace pretended to be all friendly with Jane again and brought the other sketchbook on their meetings, still putting up with all the problems mentioned above. Grace secretly worked tirelessly on her new design and did her best to keep it a secret from Jane. So the day of the final presentation arrives and Grace and the professor are grinning because they know what's about to happen. Grace went first and she got a lot of praise from the judges. After a few more presentations, the last one to go was Jane. Jane's presentation turned out to be another copycat, copying designs of not one, not two, but three different companies. After the presentation, this is how it all went down, at least according to Grace. The judge asked, So you're saying you designed all these by yourself, right? That's right. And you swear that it really was your design and didn't copy off from anything else, right? I swear. You're aware your design are from these three brands, right? Huh? Are you aware that these are on market right now and some of the most popular designs? Wait, hold on. Another judge chimes in. 
Yeah, I was gonna bring this up. If you'd worked for any brands, you probably would have been fired or worst case, sued. But, please, I'm not done yet. Did you honestly think this would work? We've been in the industry for over 10 years. We know a copycat when we see it. But these aren't even my designs. They're from Grace. The judge asks, is this true? Grace says, yes, but I never use them for major projects nor call them my work. I just use sketches of them as inspiration for my own designs. Well, that was clear from your presentation. The judge turns back to Jane. Now, Miss Jane, this is a clear case of plagiarism, and I do hope your school is merciful on this matter. After the presentation was over, the chairman screamed at the professor in front of everyone, not realizing he just revealed all the blackmailing and the secret grade deal. Jane tried to call out Grace on how you screwed me over, but it really didn't matter. No one listened to Jane's attempt to slander and was kicked out of the school. The chairman pretty much lost all support and had to resign and was replaced by a far more honorable and competent one. So in this story, OP claims that the professor helped Grace enact revenge. But my guess is that the professor was trying to go after his own revenge. I bet he had been suffering indignities at the hand of the chairman for years and was so eager to get his revenge. So I love the idea of these two teaming up as partners in crime to get mutual revenge. Grace gets revenge against Jane and the professor gets revenge against the chairman. Our next Reddit post is from Arrow 111 and the title is For Everyone That Yells Freebird at Concerts. You know who you are. One of you is at every freaking show. I used to tour with a band and we had around 200 concerts a year. At least 200 times a year, someone would yell, Freebird! And laugh like they said something clever. I don't understand why it's funny and hearing it every day for thousands of shows, yup, still not at all funny. So one day, we tried to find out the deal. When the Freebird guy of the day yelled, we invited him on stage to answer a few questions. Why do you yell Freebird? Because it's funny! Why is that funny? And then he just had a look of confusion and shame. Okay, so we didn't get any answers, but we certainly came up with one. Nobody comes up with ridiculous ideas like a group of 20-somethings who spend 15 hours a day in a van together. First thing we had to do was buy a sampler. This is a small piece of equipment that you can pre-program with any sound you want and press buttons to trigger them. They're pretty expensive. The one we bought for the prank was 1200 bucks. The next thing we needed was a folding table with chairs for all of us, some teacups and a newspaper or two. We would set these up next to the stage and no one would even notice it was there. So we found a 16 minute long version of Freebird and loaded it onto the sampler. The trap was set. Sure enough, someone yelled, Freebird! at the next show. This time, our lead singer acted really interested. What's that you say? Freebird? Do you want to hear Freebird? So, just to be clear, you want us to stop playing our set and instead play Freebird? They cheer again in approval, and now the Freebird guy clearly looks like he's never been so proud of anything he's ever done in his life. We all step to the center of the stage in a very serious looking huddle. We made it a point to go comically long discussing Freebird, and sometimes we would just talk about movies we liked for a while or make fun of each other's sisters. When we felt like it had gone on long enough, and we were terrible about making jokes go way too long, we all nodded and made it clear that we had just agreed to play Freebird. Alright folks, you asked for it. You got it. Here we go, Freebird. While the crowd went absolutely nuts, the singer went to the sampler like an old man fumbling to use a remote. 
He found the button and pressed it as anticlimactically as possible. Freebird begins to play, and we all put our instruments down and sit around the table. We sip on pretend tea and browse the newspaper quietly. At first, everyone thought it was hilarious, but after a few minutes, they started to revolt, chanting for us to come back and all. We would look at each other in a very confused manner and shrug it off a few times before the singer would finally go back to the mic. What's going on? You don't want to listen to this anymore? No! You want us to play our stuff again? Yeah! Well, what about that guy who yelled Freebird? That guy sucks! <laughs> and then the booing would start for that poor Freebird guy. We did this for an entire tour and it absolutely never got old. I'd like to think that after that year, tens of thousands of people stopped yelling Freebird at every show they go to. At least for me, that makes the world a slightly better place. Our next Reddit post is from Angel Guide Indy. When I was 14 and my oldest sister, Sarah, was 22, we found out that she was pregnant with Paul, her boyfriend of four years. They immediately got engaged and they were really happy for a time. Sarah had a horrible pregnancy. About 16 to 18 weeks in, the wonder of creating a human life evaporated within her. She developed hyperemesis, which, if you don't know, is really bad morning sickness. She was constantly in pain, she developed gestational diabetes, and just all around hated the experience. About this time, Paul, the then-fiancé, started getting sick of the complaining. I believe the argument was, Your body is built to do this. It can't be that bad. Sarah was due around Valentine's Day, and Paul's parents, Mr. and Mrs. Doe, were very excited, both about the grandkid and the fact that he could be born on a holiday. My sister was very against that, and really, really hoped that her son wouldn't be born on a holiday, even one as small as Valentine's Day. Her birthday sometimes falls on Easter, and she hates it, because it might make him feel that his day isn't very much about him. Well, if you name him Valentine or Valentino, then that'll make the day even more special to him. Again, my sister hated the idea. She thought it was tacky, he'd be bullied for it, and just really didn't like the name Valentino. Paul loved it, but agreed to go with a more average name like Daniel or Jared. Fast forward to February, and she was ready to get this over with. Sarah had officially been put on bed rest, because while standing or walking, her blood pressure took unexpected spikes and dips. I look back now, and goodness do I feel bad for her. She was doing her best to avoid giving birth on Valentine's Day because, again, she didn't want him born on a holiday. Unfortunately, births happen when they happen, and that baby was going to come on Valentine's Day whether she wanted him to or not. I remember waiting out in the waiting room with my dad, brothers, and Paul, who couldn't stand to be in the delivery room because it was gross. I was so mad that he could have gone in but wouldn't because he thought my sister was gross while giving birth. Whereas I had to stay outside because I was too young to go in with my mom and other sister. Dad went home with the youngest two brothers while the oldest, Zeke, stayed to watch me because I refused to leave. 16 hours after Sarah went into labor, my little nephew was officially part of the family on the evening of Valentine's Day. Unfortunately, Sarah was not okay. She had to have an emergency cesarean section and while doing the operation they discovered that the back of her uterus had a very large and very severe tumor. When I say large, I mean it was twice the size of a standard uterus. The doctors were shocked and didn't understand why nobody had noticed it on an ultrasound. It accounted for her severe back pain and blood pressure issues. The doctors immediately went in for more surgery to remove the tumor, but sadly ended up having to perform a full hysterectomy. This meant that my nephew would be Sarah's only child. 
Now, while Sarah was in surgery, Paul was taking care of everything baby-related to make sure his son was okay. In my 14-year-old self's memory, I remember him being suitably distraught, but I didn't really pay him much mind and spent my time in the waiting room with my mother and other sister. Zeke, however, wanted to be a good future brother-in-law and make sure that Paul was okay. He found Paul filling out the baby paperwork, and in my brother's words, he said that it looked like he didn't have a single worry in his mind. Zeke asked why Paul didn't wait for Sarah to fill out the paperwork, as she should have been out of surgery within the hour, and Paul said that he just wanted her to get a rest and heal. That checked out with Zeke, as he was only 16 and didn't know any better at the time. Now, I know what you're probably thinking. No, he wouldn't. He knows how much she hates that name. And still, she'd need to sign the paperwork too. My fellow peoples of Reddit, I regret to inform you that Paul forged Sarah's signature on the paperwork and waited until she was out of surgery to hand said paperwork over. My sweet nephew, who was born on Valentine's Day, was named Valentino on his first official birth certificates. I still to this day don't know why Paul and his family were so insistent about that name. He had even picked out a different one with my sister. And before you ask, no, he was never brought up on forgery charges because his parents were witnesses to her signing the papers, even though they only got there at the last minute. So Sarah dumped him and got her name changed a month later. She was willing to do split custody with him because that's her son's father and she wanted the kid to know him. But Paul vanished and she never heard anything back, which seemed weirdly out of character to us. Until a mutual friend on Facebook was tagged in his wedding pictures six months later. Paul had apparently started cheating on her not long after she got pregnant. Sarah was livid, but there wasn't much she could do, so she filed for child support and continued to live her best life. Until six years later. This is where the revenge starts, my friends. So Sarah's been a single mother for the past six years and has been amazing at it. At this point in my career, I've been a hairdresser for about six months at our local Great Clips. I'm working one day and who's seated before me but Jane, Paul's wife. I take her back for a trim and she clearly has no idea who I am. This adds up because a mutual friend that still keeps in contact with Paul said that Jane doesn't know a thing. She has no idea about Sarah, that she was the other woman, or that Paul actually has a kid that he's been infrequently paying child support for. She's in the dark on it all. I told myself not to be a butthole and treat her like a normal customer, which I did. Now, at this point, Jane was heavily pregnant, so a lot of our conversation was about that. She loved being pregnant, but it was hard. Her husband was so unsympathetic. Big shocker. And she was due in 10 weeks, and they still hadn't picked out a name for their baby girl. Ladies and gentlepeoples, this was my chance. I asked what kind of name she was looking for, and she said, I want something unique and unusual, but not ridiculous, like Bryant and Lehe. You know the ones I'm talking about. And Paul had suggested so many already, and she didn't like any of them. So I, conniving little weasel I am, said, What about Sarah? My sister's name isn't actually Sarah. She was named after an older family member that was passed not long after she was born. But there was no female equivalent for his name, so our parents created one. It's a beautiful name and just what Jane was looking for. She loved it. She stuck by it. And I found out by stalking her Facebook months later that she had put her foot down about it. And that was her daughter's name. Now, Paul has a daughter with his ex's name to remind him every day about her, and to also remind him to pay his effing child support. 
My little nephew is 10 years old now with a new name and no contact with his biological father, though we do still sometimes call him Bal as a family nickname. He likes it, but doesn't want to bring it to school, so it's staying a family nickname. Sarah pretends to hate when we call him that in a joking way. As long as he likes it, she doesn't have a problem with it, and she's seeing a new guy who's really great and like a father to Val. OP, I'm pleasantly surprised by how this story went, because the way that it was going, I thought you were just going to give this lady a really terrible haircut. But the type of revenge you pursued instead is so much better. That was r slash pro revenge, and if you enjoyed this content, then follow my podcast, because I put out new Reddit podcasts every single day.